and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. I hope I'm your favorite friend on Wednesdays. It's me, Wheels Maxwell. Hope everybody's having a great uh, Wednesday. Listen, we're going to talk some sports tonight, and I have uh, Jenna Cottrell with me from uh, 13 Wham and Fox Rochester. Jenna, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Can I ask you a question, though, real quick yeah, before we get started? How how bad did I butcher the last name? <laughs> okay, so it's pronounced Cottrell, but Cottrell. that's really it's hard to say, and everyone messes it up. So do not worry at all. <laughs> so the reason I asked is because I actually saw that you did another podcast, uh, the Trainwreck, I believe. It yes, was. yeah, and, and they messed it up too. So I was trying my hardest not to mess it up. <laughs> It's all good. I, t- I, I, it happens all the time. I don't take it. Per- it's spelled like how you pronounced it. So I totally understand. But right. it was funny when I was actually starting to get into the broadcast industry, I told my grandpa, I was like, you know, Gramps, I think I'm going to change how I pronounce my name to what you pronounce. Um, and he's like, you can't do it. You're a cultural. You got to be proud. And I was like, well, I can't, I can't not do that then. So it's just, I've stuck with it, but, um, Yes, it's definitely challenging, so I don't blame you. <laughs> well, I'm going to give myself an A for effort. Yes. <laughs> um, a for effort on that one. So we're going to talk sports. We're, we've got a lot of things going on in sports. The Buffalo Bills are making a, a great push in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Hockey starts tonight. I don't know I don't know if you're a huge hockey fan or not, but I am. Nice. Hockey starts tonight. Um, and so we're going to dive into all that. And I know you're a – Syracuse alum, so maybe we'll talk a little Syracuse basketball and all that kind of good stuff. But before we do that, I want to get into your story a little bit, and uh, because you do have you do have quite the story. And I want to start back. I want to start back when you were younger. Mm -hmm. And where did your love of sports come from? And how did you find uh, sports uh, sports reporting? Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in Saratoga Springs, which is, you know, three and a half hours away from Rochester to the east. And um, both my parents are actually from Massachusetts. So they are huge New England sports fans, which I know a lot of uh, Bills fans don't love to hear that. Um, but I grew up playing soccer when I was really young and I, I was on skis before I could, like, I basically when I learned to walk and then it was on skis right after that. So I've always grown up being outside and playing sports. And actually, my love of sports is I love getting to talk to people about this because it's always so personal, I feel like. And for me, it's kind of similar where so I'm a cancer survivor, but my brother is actually a cancer survivor as well. So um, when he was 15 and I was 12, he was diagnosed with leukemia and he's been in remission and we're very thankful for that for over a decade. So that's been incredible. Um, But it was a situation, you know, you're 12 years old when, when it happened and I was already like six feet tall and really awkward. So I made like connecting with my peers really challenging. But sports were always kind of that like silver lining of when I would go to soccer practice, there was so much going on at home, but I could just really enjoy being out there on the field and being with my teammates. And then that kind of translated to me watching sports. And that is what I love about sports is that camaraderie that it builds, the escape that it is. So for me, it was just a situation of coming from a sports family, loving sports, playing personally, and then getting to buy in and just watch like how much sports have changed for the better so many people's lives. And, you know, it's interesting that you say it's sort of an escape because Mm -hmm. I I think that the times we live in today with uh, the coronavirus Mm -hmm. and everything that's going on in the world, 
it really is it really is an escape like you can turn off the 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 uh, negativeness that's going on in the world or whatever it may be and you can watch sports athletes still doing what they do at a high level absolutely and like that i think has been so huge throughout this experience and i i think i i picture in western new york too like 2020 was such a tough year for so many reasons, for so many people. And I look at all the positivity in the community right now because of the Bills and how they've been playing. And that is, it's almost tangible, you know, it's that important because how many times have you been out and people are like, all right, like great to see, not out, but I mean, you're walking around, people are saying go Bills or little things like that, that it's, it's just, I love it. And you can't fake that and, to see so many people so passionate, it just like, it brings a smile to my face because it's those little things in life that make it that much sweeter. It, it sure is. And I have to tell you uh, before we go any further that when I told my mom that I was going to have you on the podcast, her exact words were, oh my God, I love her. <laughs> she actually makes sports fun. That is so sweet. Tell her thank you. I mean, I that is that is honestly like what I... I, I strive for, like, I want to make sport, sports are fun. So I want to encourage that. I want to make it a little informative as well. You know, you want to learn something, but I like to make it fun and real because a lot is going on in people's lives. And I want, I want that info to be fun and to stick. So tell her, thank you. That is so yeah, sweet. I, I, you know, I mean, she knows she likes sports, but she's not, she's not deep into sports. So yeah. that's a, that's a, Coming from her, that's a compliment because I that is so I think, sweet. I think normally she would turn uh, the sports part of the broadcast off. Yeah. But, so for her to say that, I just thought I'd pass that along. And uh, what's, what's her name? Susan. Susan. Susan yeah. Champ. Tell her thank you. I will. I will. She's probably watching. So, <laughs> Susan, if you're watching, say hi. Yeah. Type in the comments there. Uh, <laughs> so your brother goes through a leukemia. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's got to be a very tough uh, for the family, especially mm-hmm. at that age, and for you as well. Yeah. And then, but later in life, you you get diagnosed with cancer as well. So, yeah. I mean, that's got to be one of the toughest things anybody could go through. But to <sighs> already live through it once, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, that was so. Um... Well, my brother, he went through chemo for four years. And like I said, he's in remission, which has been, oh, sorry. I saw Susan's name pop up. That's all right. So I appreciate that. Um, No, but, uh, you know, to see my brother go through that and to be, we were all so young and it's my brother, my sister, myself. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's so hard to go through. So literally about 10 years later, I was not feeling well, but you know, I've, I work out, I eat well, I, you know, I get sleep. Like I really try to take care of myself because my brother and what he went through. And so I wasn't feeling well and I just kind of let it linger because I was like, you know, work is so stressful, all those things. And then when I was in the hospital and they were like, have you ever heard of lymphoma? And obviously my brother having leukemia um, yeah, I had, and my mom was there with me cause we realized it was something serious and I was in the hospital and I just looked at her and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm going to tear up, but it's like, I felt so bad putting wow. my parents through that again. Wow. And like, they had been so strong and they are, my family is 
literally my rock. Like they have been there with me literally through thick and thin. So I love them so much, but I just like, we knew we were suiting up for that battle again and they were there for me the whole time, but it's just so, I just, I, my heart ached. Cause I was like, Oh, I know what they've been through with that. So, but they were phenomenal. My mom lived with me actually for a portion of my treatments. Um, I still get emotional. I don't normally get emotional, but when I talk about my family, I just love them so much that like I become an immediate softie. (laughs) And listen, family during times like that and uh, is very important, right? And I'm sure that it was it was seeing as your brother was able went through something similar. Like it was, uh, he was probably someone that you could lean on even more. Yeah, and that was that was huge just to have someone to help with that. And I think he has been, I mean, my whole family though, like my sister, she knew what it was like to be a caregiver, you know, from my brother's experience and my family and just my brother, like he, I I felt bad for him too, because he, he knew exactly what I was going to go through. So I think he, it was really tough for him because, you know, when someone you love goes through something that's challenging, you want to take that pain from them because you know what they're, what they're experiencing and you want, you want that to end. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was, so I actually, it's interesting that we have this interview now because, uh, I was diagnosed 2017, January 25th. So we're coming up on an anniversary of my diagnosis and, you know, it's, it's definitely been hard and it's been challenging. And there were times where I was like, I mean, I'm sure for your experiences where you're like, this is so hard, like Mm -hmm. this, is so challenging that there doesn't seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then to go through that and to just realize like, I like, like my friends joke sometimes is I, I like love the little things now so much. Like when I pour like coffee in my creamer, I'm like, look how pretty that is. You know, it's like, I think you have an appreciation and everything is the cherry on top. You, you sure do. And you said with some of my experiences, especially through, and I'm sure the same for you because of this coronavirus, and we both have underlying conditions mm-hmm. uh, that we have to be extra careful of. So, for I, I so uh, can understand that feeling, yeah. of appreciating the little things. You yeah. know, if you had said to me a year ago that we would still be in the situation we're in, mm-hmm. and that I would be doing the Brother Wee's morning show on Friday mornings from my bedroom. Yeah. If we can't go in the studio. I would have laughed at you, but it's those little things that I don't think we can ever take for granted again. Yeah, exactly. And I think everyone, like you're saying, like everyone has now gotten that slice of when you are, are have an experience that you're used to. And then that perspective changes and that it gets taken away for a little bit. Now, so I would like to think that we all will be just that much more excited and, and appreciative What's that's the my point? that's my glass half full. I don't know if people actually, but listen when 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 we all get sort of back to normal, what's the first thing you're looking forward to to being able to go out and do? Oh, um, that's a great question. Um, I do see one thing that I want to touch on. I saw Dennis asked. I am in remission, so I am very appreciative of the doctors at Wilmot. Um, but I think the first thing, wow, I'm like actually thrown probably just to see my family. And I've, I've seen them 
like two times um, through this experience. So I would say to see my family and to go out to eat, I like love to eat. (laughs) So I can't wait to just like be able to be around other people. I do love to dance too. So probably going somewhere to do that will be. There you go. Listen, it's so funny because I'm the same way. I can't wait to, to just go out and be around people. Yeah. And uh, you know, go out to eat is, uh, I just want to, if I can, real quick, before we move on, I just want to point out uh, this oh, comment. Yay! Hi, Colleen. Colleen. And Colleen and I are, well, we're not actually family, but we're family. Uh, <laughs> so I see Colleen at family functions. And, nice. And, uh, She's sweet. Love Colleen. And uh, so one of the things I wanted to talk about, because I did read an article mm-hmm. uh, about your cancer diagnosis, you had gone, you had been having symptoms. Yeah. And then you went to the doctor, I believe once, and they kind of said, oh, it wasn't anything to really worry about. Right. And then yeah. you were actually at a Buffalo Bills presser, right? You were at a mm-hmm. press conference. And oh, yeah. some of your other uh, colleagues noticed that you seemed to be, uh, I think they said you were sweating a lot. Yeah. So I like for our job, we have to carry a lot of equipment. There's the camera, there's the tripod, there's all that. And obviously at that point we were, you know, traveling still for games and stuff. And I felt really run down and I was just like, oh man, I feel like I just, I don't know. I just felt really tired. My back hurt, like all of these things. And they were all very explainable, but, um, yeah, I got to a point in early January and went before I was diagnosed and before I was admitted to the hospital. Um, I, went to the doctor because I was like, something's wrong. Like, I just, I just know. And they went and we did like a flu test and stuff like that. And nothing, they sent me home and they're like, yeah, we think you're fine. Like, you know, you're young, you're healthy. It's fine. And I, and I was like, okay. And then I got home and I was like, all right, uh, I still don't feel great, but I continued to work because work is something that I'm really passionate about. And I was at the, actually, it was the introductory press conference for Sean McDermott. And we were up in Buffalo. It was myself, my Catalana, and obviously a huge day when it, when a new coach is there, which before Sean McDermott, there was, you know, quite a few of those. Yeah. Um, but the other gear we were. Yeah, seriously. Um, I was at the Rex Ryan one. No, um, but uh, I was at Sean McDermott's one. And yeah, a coworker came up to me because at that point I didn't realize it, but I was having fevers. Okay. And then my fevers were breaking. So that's why I was sweating so much. So my coworker or not a coworker, but a colleague was like, are you okay? And I was, it was January and it was cold out because I was in the field house and I was sweating like profusely, which is, you know, that's usually like a, an alarming look anyways. Uh, it'd be one thing if I was at a track meet, but it was oh, literally yeah. January. So I think that was when I was like, ah, I really don't feel well. And then, um, my Catalana was like, we are very close. He's amazing. Um, he's, he's fantastic. I can't say enough great things. And I'm not saying that just because he's my boss. Um, but he was saying, he's like, you, you need to go to the doctor. Like you're, you're not, you're not okay. And I was like, all right. So then when I went in, um, at that point, my temperature was like 104 and it was like, okay, this is not good. And it took them a while to actually diagnose me because again, I was young, I was healthy. Like it, it didn't make sense, but eventually they were able to, to narrow it down. And is one of the reasons, because when you got diagnosed, you were in stage four, I believe. Yeah. So I, 
Yeah. So I waited so long because I thought I was fine. And this is a testament to like really knowing your body and how important that is. And when things do feel off, like I can't encourage people enough because you know, your body so much better, you know, like even obviously we have to trust doctors and all of those things, but if you feel like something's off, like it's so important to get that checked out because, you know, I waited and I waited and I waited and I'm very fortunate because my type of cancer, they have the ability to cure it. You know, there there's after five years, you know, if I continue to be in remission, they mark that as being cured, which I'm very fortunate for because, um, yeah, like I, I initially was diagnosed as stage three. And then when I got my PET scan, they progressed it to stage four. So at that point, I mean, I, I was 20 pounds lighter than I am now. I I couldn't eat. Like I was, I was very, very sick. Um, but, but I feel very, like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's awful to hear those words. Like you have cancer, but my, my doctor was very much like, here's what we got to do. So that was, that made me feel comforted as much as possible. It almost reminds me of when you say the doctor says, here's what we've got to do. And it makes you feel comforted. It all to bring it back to sports sort of metaphor. It also reminds me of like Sean McDermott saying, trust the process. So it's really funny you say that because we, um, we had like printouts on my desk when I got back to work that were like, trust the process because a lot of my, um, Mike Catalana and one of the, our um, former uh, executive producers, he's a uh, Sixers fan in Philly. And, you know, Joel Embiid, trust the process. Yes. So, and, and Sean McDermott kind of picked up on trust the process, but I'm not going to lie. I love that phrase because there are times where I have to remember like, okay. Like I think especially now for younger generations in particular, like, there is no patience. We don't have any because everything is instant gratification. So mm. having to trust that process is super challenging. I hated every second of it, but you can apply it to so many things. And I think it it speaks for itself of how you have to consistently put in the work. But if you do, you, you will see those results. And I also think with a diagnosis like you got that putting trusting the process, but also putting that process in someone else's hands can be very difficult. Oh yeah. Like I'm, yeah, it was really challenging because yeah, it's just, here's the hardest thing that I felt like with my, or one of the hardest things was like, if you tell me tomorrow, you can, you can only eat chicken wings or you, you can only eat, you know, chickpeas on one day and you can't have any gluten, you can't have any dairy and you can't have any alcohol. And, and if you would do all these things, right. it'll save your life. Obviously you're going to do that. You know, you're like, okay, of course it was so terrifying to me because I could follow all the restrictions and everything that was outlined for me. But if like my body didn't accept the chemo, then like, that's terrifying. Cause I don't, I don't personally have any control over that. It's, you know, it's cellular, it's molecular, it's those types of things. And it's like, that to me was so scary, but my team at Wilmot was incredible. And I think that's just one of the things that it's like, it's so hard giving up that control because who who doesn't want the control? And especially in situations like that, where it's like, oh my gosh, it's just so scary. Absolutely. And just real quick, before we get on to sports and, and uh, that aspect, I want, one of the things in the article that I read, uh, you said 
you know, the one place you, you don't want to be is in the hospital. Yeah. But the people there at, uh, the, I believe, it's the Wilmot Cancer Center. Yeah, right? yeah. Made it so much easier to be there. Yeah. So just speak to uh, how great those people were. And, and You're going to make me cry again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I can't say enough about the quality of care that I received. And um, it's so hard when you are so scared and you're going through so much and you're, you're on it. You're terrified. You are absolutely terrified, but the kindness that I received and just the understanding and the compassion and like the steadiness was so huge for me because I definitely feed off like the energy of a room and things like that. And my chemo nurse, her name was Terry and she was just so sweet. She was like a ray of sunshine. And it made that, that circumstance of going there and like being in the infusion clinic is obviously not fun. First of all, it's like, I mean, honestly, this, this was hard too, is a lot of the people were in their seventies they thought my mom was a patient, not me, you know, because it was obviously a very different situation. So it was, it was really challenging, but all the people there were so nice. And my, one of my nurses, Maureen, she's such a sweetie, my doctor, Dr. Barr, like he's, he's fantastic. Like, I just, I can't, I can't say enough great things because Mm -hmm. it just, it makes the experience so much more it makes the experience so much better. It's already stressful, but to have people like kind faces and smiles to greet you, it's just, it makes a world of difference. Absolutely. Do you keep in touch with any of those people? Uh, So I actually saw Dr. Barr not too long ago and I have seen Terry. I've like stopped in and visited her. And then I get to see Maureen when I go for a follow-up appointment. I mean, because those are friendships that you will, uh, you might, you know, you might not see them all the time, but those are people that you hold dear for sure. Exactly. So let's talk a little sports. Uh, Let's talk. Let's start with the big, the big uh, excitement in in the Western New York area, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, So first I want to ask you, how different has it been covering a team from afar? Mm, Okay. Very good question. I would say I've, so I've covered this team since Rex Ryan's last year. So I, like I said, I was at Sean McDermott's introductory press conference and for a reporter, it's so beneficial and helpful to be in the locker room and get to talk to players like before the cameras are rolling, just to even be like, Hey, how are you? How's your family? What'd you think of that? Like just that like low key small talk helps build those relationships. And obviously on zoom, like you don't, you don't have that. So sometimes it's challenging because you're like, you know, especially if you have to ask a hard question, you're like, oh, and there's no like, hey, how you doing, buddy? So it's before you do it. Yeah, you're like, oh gosh. But um, no, it's definitely made it challenging. But I think the Bills have done a really great job of of access. And it's it's been tough because of how successful the team is. Like you want to be there, you want to be a part of it, you want to be able to not just have like the serious interviews, but even do like fun little things. Um, like even just like getting to know the players better. Um, so it's, it's been challenging, but I think with the circumstances, I think it's gone probably as well as it could have gone, honestly. Yeah. That's uh, it, it's interesting because technology like this, so you and I yeah. are, I'm obviously 
at my house, you're at your house, and we're doing this, and then people are watching on, on Facebook Live. But it does, you know, there is a little bit of a sense of the chemistry isn't as, as good yes. as it would be as if you were in the same room with the person. Thousand percent. And that's what makes it so hard because you want to be able to get people, you know, you want to be able to meet people where they are and be able to bring out those things. And it's just so hard when it's over screen and it's like, oh, what'd you say? Like, I can't, you're cutting it. You know what I mean? It's like, that sucks. Um, So it's definitely made it challenging, but you know. What, what, uh, what, what, how has, so Sunday or was it, did they, they played Sunday? They played Saturday. 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 I'm sorry. I watched so much football. They all it all blended. No, it was it was a it was a super wild card weekend. So it was fun. It was. Uh, I think I started at like one o'clock and went all the way until like eleven. Yeah. On on both days. Uh, but I I posted on Facebook mm-hmm. during the Bills game because to me, Jenna, they seem to come out a little flat uh, at the beginning, and yeah. I posted. Maybe the fans should have stayed home. <laughs> it is so funny because I talked with some season ticket holders um, when they announced that there would be a crowd there. And I talked to some people. And obviously, they were so excited. But a lot of people had that sentiment of like, hey, I'm a little bit superstitious. Or in the, the words of Michael Scott, a little stitious of like, it, are fans, is that going to mess up the mojo? Like, obviously, it didn't. But I would... I would say this, the Bills did not play their best game and they were still able to win and great teams find a way to win. And especially in the playoffs, you know, the, the, the level of play gets elevated that much more. And I think, um, I think there were some jitters as well, definitely, but to have that win out of the way is, is huge because we, you know, in Western New York, we talk of droughts and there was the playoff drought, but the playoff win Stretched obviously to 25 years, 1995. So to get that monkey off their back, I think is huge. Now that's not to say that there's still not pressure on this team or still expectations, but I think at least losing in that first round really would have made for a lot of question marks. And then also looking at it, this team, because of the success in the regular season, I think some coordinators are going to be gone. You know, there's going to be, coaches that are picked off by other teams. So you want to win now because you have all the pieces. So that was going to be my next question to you. because We have uh, coaches like Leslie Frazier, mm-hmm. right? Are up for, are being interviewed for jobs. Yep. Brian uh, Dable. Brian Dable is mm-hmm. going to be interviewed, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen Josh Allen make so much progress yeah. over this, you know, from year to year, but especially this season. I just wonder, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, because Brian Dable and him seem to have such a, they almost seem to have a mind melt right now. Yeah. Oh, completely. Completely. And I think we've seen, you know, you look at other quarterbacks in the league and Baker Mayfield's playing better now or other players, but they kind of had a lot of disruption in terms of their coaching staff. And there was new offensive coordinators every year to have three years with the same guy. Like you can really be able to push the limits of knowing what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are, how to capitalize, how to get the most out of a player. And I think it's been great because first of all, Brian Dable is from Western New York. So he has that connection. Right. There's that. There's the fact that I think Josh Allen is a player himself who wants to continue to get better 
And then you have Brian Dable, who has been someone that wants, wanted to prove himself and was able to adapt with Josh's strengths, work on his weaknesses. And I think you've seen how creative he can be now. And I think that starts with trust and having three years to really build that up. I think now you're just, you're reaping all the benefits of that relationship and, and the improvements that you've seen. But I also see Josh Allen in his first, what is this his for? Is this his third full year? Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But in his first two years, I saw him trying to do too much. Yes. He, he liked to try to be Superman, I would say. Yes. There is, there is the, that hero ball for sure. And it seems like Brian uh, has been able to pull that back a little bit and say, we don't need it all in, in on first first down. Like we can get it in, in three downs and you don't have to do everything. Yeah. And I think that's been so important because Josh Allen is a guy that, like you said, like it's like he wants to get and he wants a touchdown every play. I feel like he's he loves the hero ball. He loves to make those big plays. And that's been a huge part of his game, especially when plays break down the ability to improvise and make so many great plays out of nothing. But um, it's also the understanding that like you're, you're not going to score a touchdown on every play. And sometimes trying to go for that great play can put you at risk for, you know, taking a large sack or having a fumble or having a pick like things like that. So I think it's been a situation of seeing that maturation process on Josh's end and also the sharpening of his tools. Like we knew how talented he was. I mean, the dude's got a cannon for an arm, but also having the footwork be worked into it, the mechanics be worked into it. And then having his natural ability in terms of just athletics, like it's, it's made for a great, a great union. And I think Brian Dable has been so huge, but I I do think that he is leaving. Um, I think that he will get a head coaching job and, um, and uh, Scott makes a great point here on the chat saying Stefan Diggs made that offense. Uh, he's made a huge impact having a number one guy with that veteran experience, him and Josh getting along, like could not have gone better. So it's just been all these pieces coming together. And, and now you're just seeing the explosion of the bills offense. And and let's just talk about Stefan Diggs for a second, because the one thing I always used to say about our quarterback was he can throw the ball a mile. <laughs> there's no one that can catch up to the ball. Yes. I think when you look at um, the Bills wide receivers, even from like two years ago, I mean, it's most it Kelvin Benjamin and Robert Foster and guys like that, that um, have either floated around the league or are no longer in the league. So I think getting John Brown and Cole Beasley last year was huge. And, you know, I think that was helped in Josh's development, but Stephon Diggs is a number one wide receiver. You know, John Brown is one B, you know, maybe like a two, like he's, he's not your stud guy that makes he's other not be your go-to guy. Yeah. He's not the guy that's making the opposing defense be like, Oh, I'm concerned. You know, he's a great player. That's not to take away from him. He's in fantastic route runner, all of those things. But Stephon Diggs, we like to say like, he's that dude. Like he really is because he, it's so, it's so funny too, because coming out of Minnesota, you know, when they had the trade, there was kind of that diva tag. Like, was yeah. he going to be a diva? What were we going to see? Um, but he, his toughness, like he's some of the catches he makes. I'm like, 
oh my gosh, like you got trucked by two dudes. Like you still caught the ball. Like, how are you even walking right now? Or and you just turned yourself into Gumby to make that. Yeah, yeah. There's that one play where you like literally like pinballed between defenders and yes. ran all the way down. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that has been an unexpected element of his game, but he's been even better than advertised. And I don't know, I don't know what it was about him in Minnesota, but he, he doesn't seem like the selfish player that he was portrayed as in Minnesota. Yeah, I think him and Kirk Cousins, I think he probably, and this is my inference, like he was probably frustrated with Kirk Cousins and wanted to get the ball more. And I don't know how much they would see eye to eye. You know, Kirk is an older guy. He's got kids. He's, I mean, so does Stefan. But um, I just think they were just different. Um, so having Josh and him, I mean, it's so funny because they say, like Josh and Stefan are like, yeah, we got close over playing like Call of Duty and call yeah Call of Duty and I'm like that is such a 2021 answer like we became buds playing video games together but I mean you could not have asked for it to go better in terms of on the field and that that ability to just know what one another is thinking I mean you, you can't pay for that like that is you got to earn that and they have certainly done exactly that now can I just ask you as a sports reporter when you do some of these press conferences. Mm-hmm. We talk about this on the radio all the time because we play clips from Sean McDermott yeah. and, and Josh Allen, and they give you the same can answer all the time. So as a sports reporter, does that get frustrating? <laughs> I appreciate that question. That is what Sean McDermott will say when he's not going to answer your question. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that question. And then he'll like pivot and say the same thing in circles like six times in a row. I understand it. I really do. I mean, look, they it's frustrating. It's absolutely frustrating. And obviously, as a reporter, you want those candid answers and all of those things. But Sean McDermott is a very measured type of guy. Like he is very much, you know, he's all about his messaging in inside one Bill's drive. Like, you know, there's hungry and humble. He doesn't want to give he doesn't want to give away bulletin board material. Right. I think you saw the Steelers. Juju Smith Schuster, like bulletin board material can do a lot. Like motivated. Um, so I will say, yeah, I think it's it is frustrating. I understand it, but there's certainly times where I'm like, something. Just just give me something. Something. And it it usually doesn't work out. (laughs) So let's talk about uh this upcoming game that we've got Mm -hmm. coming up on um Saturday, I believe, and it's Mm -hmm. it's the night game, so it's it's yeah. uh, they're under the they're under the big spotlight, shall we say? Uh, I don't know uh, from your perspective, but from my perspective, it seems like the Baltimore Ravens will create quite a challenge for the Buffalo Bills yes. uh, because we're not so good at at uh, stopping the run, and they've got one of the most electrifying runners in their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Just my own personal opinion. This is a podcast, so we can do this. I don't think he can throw the ball all that well, but he sure can run. He can throw the ball when he needs to. He can be efficient in the passing game. But, yeah, when you look at Lamar Jackson, like his athletic ability literally jumps off the page. And he's someone that has made so many explosive dynamic plays with his legs. I know you were watching the game against the Titans earlier this weekend. Like there is one play – where they were trailing and then literally like the 
it was like the Red Sea parted and, you know, there goes Lamar Jackson for a 50 yard run touchdown. Like it was, it was, he's that guy. So it's definitely a concern in terms of the matchup because the Bills defense, they didn't play great against the Colts. I will say, I think they played clutch. There were some clutch moments that they they came through. Um, But yeah, and this is going to be, this is the playoffs. These games obviously get tougher and Saturday is going to be a huge challenge. It, it is going to be the hardest game of the year for them. Um, but I think, you know, that comes with the territory. And I think this Bills offense, it did, while it did struggle against the Colts, I think there are opportunities for this Bills team to put up points. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be, I was saying this on a live stream, I'm like, it's going to be fun. And by fun, I mean like probably bad for your heart, <laughs> but it'll be entertaining nonetheless. <laughs> it's funny because a friend of mine on Facebook, took his uh, heart rate during the game <laughs> and then took his heart rate after the game. Oh and it was remarkably high during the game. And then yep. after the game, it was back to normal levels. So, yeah. uh, you know, make sure that you're uh, keeping an eye on your own health as we, <laughs> yeah. as we go on this ride with the, with the bills. Have we heard anything about injuries? Because I know, I know Cole Beasley is, mm-hmm. is, uh, Dealing with uh oh I put up a comment here and didn't mean to do that. That's all right. Uh, I know Cole Beasley is dealing with a a leg injury. Yeah, so he's been dealing with a knee injury. Knee injury. Um, he he is going. I'd be shocked if he didn't play. I would expect him to play. Stephon Diggs also has an injury, but again, these are guys that are they are going to play. Um, Zach Moss, their running back, he had an ankle injury that he left the game against the Colts. That he is not going to play. Um, he's expected to be out basically for the for the rest of the season. Um, so I, it's the playoffs. Like Cole Beasley, I thought he really impressed me because against the Colts, like he gutted through some performances, but he says he feels better even than he did last week. Um, right. So that that to me is is definitely a plus. But I I would expect those guys out there for sure. Now um, getting away from the Bills for just a, a couple minutes. I just I want to talk to you about the Browns game because that that to me was bananas, uh, bananas, right? (laughs) Like, yeah. Did anybody see that coming to that? Oh, so it's funny. I have family that are Browns fans as well. I have family that live in Cleveland, and they were out of their mind. Like they were like, oh, they they couldn't. I mean, no one could believe it because when they got out to that twenty-eight nothing start, it was like what is going on? Like I was shocked. And to see the Steelers play as poorly as they did, they, they had some pushes in that game. You thought that they might come back because you're like, well, it's the Browns. Like, could they, they do this? But I just think it's so cool to see in the NFL, like the Browns and the bills be making noise. You know, it's been so long since they both have been able to do it. So I, I shouldn't say for the bills, but for the Browns, they've really struggled, obviously. Sure. Um, so it's, it's definitely, it was fun to watch, but that game. Yeah. Bananas. That's what I'm going to call it. Cause I could not believe what was happening. And it's gotta be a relief for Baker Mayfield just a little bit. Because he's been under some scrutiny for, for a guy that went to a team that had never had won a game in forever. Yeah. And then he got them their first win. And then all of a sudden the, the, you know, they didn't have the season last year that they wanted to have. And yeah. the wheels sort of all fell off. And then, so I, there was a moment where I was happy for, for Baker. And, 
And I, I just thought to myself, well, now all those commercials you're doing make sense. I was actually going to bring it up. I love those commercials. So I think those are so funny. And I, so Josh Allen was obviously drafted in that draft class of 2018. There was guys like Baker. He was the first pick, Lamar Jackson, as well as Josh, like other guys like that, Sam Darnold. It's cool to root for those guys and to see where, where they're at and where they're doing or who's doing what, because, you know, like, I think of the Ravens, like they were highly scrutinized for taking Lamar. Like, would it work out? Would it pan out? Same with the Bills for Josh. Um, but for Baker Mayfield, no, I'm I'm happy for the Browns. I I hope they beat the Chiefs, but that's because um, I I just want I don't I'd like to see the Browns and the Bills play for the AFC Championship. I just think that would be like such a cool moment. Um, but I'm incredibly biased so <laughs> can i can i tell you that if that happens i'm going to put you and myself and paul guglielmo in a group text message perfect paulie and i have already been talking that if the bills and the browns meet each other we have to have we have to have some sort of bet we have to oh, be we have thousand to do percent. We and have like to it would something. be in western new york it would be in orchard park right so yeah. we have to, we have to do something and and uh, of course I talk, actually, I have to thank him because he's the one that set up this interview for me. Yeah. Uh, because I said, I really want to find someone that I, I can talk a little Buffalo Bills with. And he said, well, I've got the person for you. And she's got a great story. And he oh. set the interview up. So, and I, then you, I read in your bio that you sent over to me that you're sort of a foodie yourself. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, now I know why you and Paulie get along so well, because <laughs> if there's any man that loves food, it's Paul Gugliabo. I know it was, it was when we talked before I was on the radio show for a little bit, like it was such a great guy, like yeah, him yeah. and his family. So sweet. I know his wife, like yeah. his little boy is adorable, but yeah, as soon as, uh, I love the bills and do love me some food. I'm not a good cook at all though. I give Polly credit for the sauce and all that. Like not, you did, you did, you did try a sauce yesterday. I did. Good. I did. I had these spicy chunky veggie. It was delicious. Yeah. When you and I talked for the first time, you said, uh, I got sauce going on this stove and it's Polly's. So, uh, that, yeah. So we're going to have a lot. We're hoping uh, uh, against a lot. What percentage would you put it at? Would you say that the Brown, I mean, listen, they already won a game without their head coach. Yes. Yeah. Their offensive line coach, right? They didn't have they, what, the offensive line. They coach? basically didn't practice. Yeah. I mean, the guy that was running the offensive line, was the game gay coordinator. Yeah, it, was, it was a mess. It was a mess. <laughs> and they pulled out a win. So, like, I mean, what percentage would you give them? Okay. Um, see, this is what's challenging. It's because the Chiefs haven't played exceptionally well as of late. Like, I think they've been in they've, – they've squeaked out some wins. But they have extra rest. They had the bye. They rested guys in week 17. Um I like I like like to root for chaos. So I'm gonna put it at I'll put it at a I'm thinking like a 20% Browns win, which I think is actually higher than a lot of other people. Um I would love to see it. I think it would be great. Uh but the Chiefs, the thing that stands out is just the well, it's Patrick Mahomes, but it's also the experience. They've been in that that spot before. They've gone down, obviously, in games, and then still been able to want win. They've had the Super Bowl. They're coming off that run, so the experience is tough to beat. But it would be really, really fun. 
Travis Kelsey is, you know, yeah, I mean, he's he's yeah, he's unstoppable. I mean, he just makes it, and uh, if it if it makes any of uh, anybody that's watching, uh, I did see the line for that game is the Browns are getting plus ten. Yeah, I think that says it all. That's when you know. But that being said, like we've seen. What I love about the football playoffs is it's not a series. It's one game. And like any given Sunday, you know, like those type of thing where anything can happen. And so that's what makes it so much fun to watch. So I'm I'm hoping that's an exciting game. Um, but yeah, we shall see. It's going to be another fun weekend of football. I mean, it's always a fun weekend of football, but it, uh, this weekend is always, you know, great games and you can really hone in on the matchups. When it's winner go home, it seems to be even more fun, right? Yeah. Again, yeah. that heart though, that heart monitor. I'm like worried for any right. Browns fans or Bills fans because it's been so long. So, uh, well, I, I so I got you to give your, you know, what you thought the Browns percentage of winning might be. But since you follow the Bills, I mean, that's the team you cover and you follow. Yeah. Uh, Give me a, can you give me a prediction? Do you have a prediction? Okay. So I am nervous about this game. I still think the bills are going to win, but this is a very talented, explosive Ravens team that I think has the ability to really exploit some of the bills weaknesses in particular on their run defense. Um, but I do have the Bills winning this game. And I think it was great to see, not great to see, but like the Bills struggling against the Colts, I think brought them back down to earth. And it was that realization of like, okay, like after that game, everyone was excited and happy, but it was like, hey, we got we got a lot of stuff we, we want to work on. And I think that's important in that mindset. So uh, I have the Bills winning this game. I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, I don't know. I am like, I'm trying to even like think of the score, maybe like a 27, 24 or something. Oh, that's actually, that was the Colts game score. Um, but, but it's going to be close. Yeah. It's going to be really close. And it's interesting that you say it might've brought them back down to earth, struggling with the Colts a little bit, because if we remember in their last game of the season, they they just, they just ran over uh, the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. Talk yeah, about dominating like it was it was great. I think they put up fifty-six. Was yeah. it fifty-six twenty-six? I can't remember. Um yeah, no, that game was and like look, they've been playing so well, and that's not to take away anything from the Bills. I just think it was it was huge to get that playoff win, get that off of their shoulders. But I think it was also the realization of like every game is going to be extremely challenging and great like I said earlier. Great teams have to find a way to win. The Bills did that. But if you look at the statistics, the Colts outgained the Bills. They didn't have any turnovers. Like they they were really able to they were able to move the ball on third down. The Bills defense could not stop on third down. Like those types of things that usually indicate when a team wins. Um obviously they didn't, but uh for the Bills I think it's just it's a feather in their cap, but of course they they want more. Right. Now I I I do want to ask you one thing because I know that uh, uh, the uh, gentleman you work with, Mike Catalana, is a big uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan, I believe. So 
has there been any talk uh, around the water cooler? Were any of you shocked that Doug Peterson got the boot? Okay, so I was surprised, but Mike said, I think he actually tweeted this out like last week. He was like, uh, he was talking about this past Sunday. He's like, Sunday, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure um, for, on Doug Peterson. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if like, he was let go. So, and of course, Mike is literally always right. So um, it's just crazy. I mean, I think that's a testament to how quickly things change in, this, in the NFL. Like, you won a Super Bowl, and three years later, it's, it's there's no there's no job security in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you gotta, you know, the saying is NFL not for long, and right. especially with coaches, like things can definitely turn on a dime. So, but I saw I saw a tweet that said they might be looking to hire Adam Gase. Is this could this possibly be? I, I can't imagine that. I, I, I that to me is like, uh, I mean, the resume. Look, you know, he's talked about as a QB guru, that type of guy. But to be, you know, let go in Miami and then to be let go in New York, I think um, there's plenty of other very talented coaches out there that have been coordinators or other guys that probably should get a shot before that. But I guess we'll see. You know, the NFL is always, I love it. There's always something going on. Like, will Deshaun Watson play on the Dolphins next? Like, who knows? It's, it's, It's always something, though. Because I think Deshaun came out and said that he wanted them to seriously think about hiring Eric Bieniemy, and if they weren't going to do that, he wanted out. Yeah, and like I think he's been very frustrated in Houston. I mean, that's not anything shocking saying that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy too that is so talented. Like, if he were to be another QB in the AFC East, you're like, Ooh, okay, you know, it's that's a guy that is. Very talented. I see Paula asking the question, do you think Dable will leave? Paula, I do think Brian Dable, the Bills offensive coordinator, will probably – I think he's going to get a job uh, for the LA in, in LA for the Chargers. That's my personal opinion, but I think he's – a lot of these coordinators that get into the job or assistant coaches, like they do this and they work their way up the ladder, and then they want that eventual goal of becoming a head coach. We saw Sean McDermott. He's a prime example. He was defensive coordinator in Carolina for the Panthers for quite some time. And he obviously wanted to become a head coach. So it's a, a resume that Brian Dable has been building. And, you know, it's, it's hard to have a better resume than after this season. So I think he's, he's going to be leaving, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think he's helped Josh Allen so much and, Frankly, I think he deserves the opportunity. Listen, just we've got we've got uh, about ten more minutes left. I got you said your your family, uh, big New England, uh, yes, fan, which yeah. is not uh, you know that doesn't um, not something you probably want to be mentioning <laughs> a Buffalo Bill sports bar. Uh, but I do have to ask you this: is they're big New England fans? It, was it weird to see? QB 12, Mr. Tom Brady, mm-hmm. in a different uniform. Yes, thousand percent. It's still weird seeing him in a Bucks uniform. Like that orange, I'm always like, wait, what? Like it's just, it's definitely been something that, I mean, when everything came out before, like prior to the season, I was like, the only team I was like, I don't think he would go there was the Bucks. I don't know. I just didn't, I wasn't expecting it. And to see him go, um, Look, I think Bills fans are very 
happy that he's not, I think it's two parts. I think they're very happy to not see him in New England anymore, but I think they also would love to have the ability to go in with a team like they have this year and, and beat Brady in New England. Like, I think that would have been like the cherry on top of beating Belichick. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still weird. My family, like they don't know who to root for. It was so funny because I went home for Christmas and my dad was talking to me about the bills and I was like, yeah, like, you're going to have so much free time in January. Like you don't have to watch football anymore. Like the playoff, you're totally uninvested now. And he, he got a little mad. Um, but it was just funny because, uh, yeah, I actually did. I personally was not a new England fan growing up, but my, my mom, my dad, and my brother and my sister all were. No, I think I read that you were a Giants fan. I was. Cause we used to go to Gi- Giants training camp cause it used to be at SUNY Albany. So we would stop in and, um, yeah, those Super Bowls where the Giants beat obviously the, the Patriots, those were, those were, good. Those were really fun. The first one, my dad told me after he's like, if they ever play again, you're not allowed to watch it here. At all. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but was the first one, the helmet catch? Yeah, there was the David Tyree catch. I mean, they're, they're all like, it, it's really fun. It's so funny too, because my dad, like he is such a new England, like my parents, they have like the Boston accent, like all of that. They've kept it, even though they've been in New York for 30 plus years. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's always a contentious time, but I will say it's really cool because usually when the bills head out to Foxborough, which generally is around like late December for the game, my family will go and like my extended family will be there. So that's always fun because my grandparents um, and my like extended family all live in Massachusetts. So now, I definitely love doing that. Now, let me ask you one more question while we're on this topic. Mm-hmm. If, if they don't make it to the Super Bowl, right? The bills? No, the, the, uh, the box. box. Because for me, it feels like for them, Super Bowl or bust with all the town, with all the town. Uh, Does Bruce Arians have the, is he on the hot seat then? Because it seems to me a perfect fit there with Josh McDaniels. I mean, I think you make a great point. I think, um, you know, having, normally speaking, if you were to be, talking about a coach and being like, well, the first year he didn't win a Super Bowl like that, of course you're going to keep him around, even if you, you know, made your way deep into the playoffs. Obviously talking about Tom Brady, him being in his 40s, like it makes it for a different window. And I think he obviously has a lot of control there in Tampa Bay. But um, no, I I really think that they will stick with what they have. Because I think this year you saw so much talent and I think they just all need to get on the same page. So, but I say that Brady has complete control. Like he basically has ultimate control. So I think it's whatever Brady wants, which is understandable. He is, you know, he's the goat for a reason. Um, But we shall see because I don't think Josh McDaniels, I mean, Belichick, he's got to be done like somewhat soon. Right. You know, like, man, he's going to be in his eighties coaching. Uh, So I think he wants to be, if I were Josh McDaniels, you know, that time is winding down and I would kind of want to be still in the wings looking to take over so we, we'll see though i mean i guess it just seems like it would be such a perfect fit there and if he's turned he turned down the colts job and yeah and, you know i don't yeah. know we'll, we'll I mean, see. crazy I, things have happened let's be real because it's, it's i just don't think tom brady likes to throw the ball deep and and arians loves to air yeah. it out yeah 
Well, they have so much talent too that sometimes I actually, so I had a hot take before the season started and I was like, I don't think the Bucks are going to make, uh, make the playoffs, but that was because I thought that they would have a hard time putting everything together. Um, obviously that, that did not come to fruition, but, um, yeah, I mean, man, it's still weird though. Seeing Tom Brady in a Bucks jersey. I'm just not it sure is. Listen, I, I just want to, I just want to put up a couple comments here. Okay. But this one, uh, I, you know, listen. That's so sweet. We, we just met uh, last night for the first time over mm-hmm. to check out the video and stuff. But this has been, and I'm not saying this just to say it, but this has been one of my favorite podcasts uh, because oh. it's just it's just been so easy. And oh. we, we it's flowed so well. So you all, you have a fan in me, let me tell you. You're so and, sweet. Same to you. Thank you. And uh, listen, can I can I bring you back on the podcast? Yeah, uh, maybe in a, maybe in a, few, <laughs> maybe, in a, maybe in a few weeks, and uh, we can uh, to see what happened with the Bills. And yeah, we can unpack and, uh, the Bills season for sure. And uh, you know, well, they're clearing out. The, we'll call it the, maybe we'll call it the uh, clearing out the locker room podcast or something. Yeah, perfect. And, uh, this has been fun. Uh, stick with me for one second. I just have to do this. If you don't mind, yeah, of course. Uh, I have an advertisement I have to do, ladies and gentlemen. When you think sports, Jenna, when you think sports, mm-hmm. what do you think? Right, you think cotton candy, right? <laughs> who doesn't yeah. go to Who doesn't go to like a football game or like a baseball game, and they they get some cotton candy right right there. Right there. <laughs> she just did her best band of white. That was great. That's it. I really had to focus to make sure it was correct, but yes, that was great. But I'm talking about this is fancy cotton candy. This isn't the stuff you'd get at a at a Bills game or an Amrix game. This is gourmet cotton candy. So I'm talking about fav- flavors like Fireball, banana, pickle. You want to try some pickle cotton candy? It's there. So call my good friend Jennifer at Falengas at 585-415-1817. Tell her Wheel sent you. Get yourself some cotton candy. Maybe you pull up next to the TV. You watch the Bills. Eat a little cotton candy. It's a great day. And uh, so tell them we'll sent you. And let me tell you, I've had it. And if it wasn't for the fact that I'm worried about my dentist bill, I did it all the time. <laughs> Jenna, my friend, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This was phenomenal. So much fun. Can't wait to talk more sports with you. Uh also, after the podcast, I'm going to send you a message because I'm going to send you some Wednesday with Wheel swag. Yes, I love it. All love right. It, we're going to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. Check me out next week. I think, not sure, but I think we're going to have one of Jenna's uh, co-workers on. Oh. I think we're going to have the legendary Don Elhart joining the podcast. Oh, man. He is, he is not- phenomenal. He's a great guy, right? Oh my God. I can't, I can't say enough good things about Don. Don is the kindest, funny, like he's so funny in his own way. He's so good with words. He's an amazing human being. Oh, I'll just tell you this real quick story about Don while we're saying how great he is because he is. He actually, Jenna, gave me my start in, in television. So he That's- used to run, he used to, he used to be the host of the United Cerebral Palsy Telethon, which is the disability that I have. Yeah. And uh, way back, I mean, this is in the early 90s, uh, 
the producer of the telethon came to me. We were sitting in the audience and they came over and they said, would you mind go standing off to the, the left side of the stage? So well, I went over and sat there and all of a sudden he says, I want to bring out my big guns. So I thought he was going to bring out somebody else from the TV station mm -hmm. and he introduces me and he says, to me, brings me out on stage, puts me right in the middle of the stage, sets me down right there in the middle of the stage. And he says, I'm tired. I've been doing this all day. The show's yours. And for the next five minutes, had me running the telethon. That's amazing. Oh, that's my, that's one of my Don Elhart stories, but that yeah. just shows what a great guy he is. He's but Jenna, awesome. thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, tell Mike I said hello. And my yeah. good friend, Doug Emblidge, could you tell him I said hello too? I will. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed this. This was, this was so much fun. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye-bye. <laughs> we are not live anymore.